time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Welcome to another podcast. This is Reengineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here alongside Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas. And you can find us online by going to cpweldygroup.com. Charles, great to talk with you once again, sir. How are you? And uh, looking forward to another great podcast today. Yeah, I'm doing really well. It's uh, holiday season. So, uh, you know, trying to finish up the uh, year end with a uh, you know, a strong finish and uh, plan for calendar year 2020. So as things are going well. As we're recording today, we're finishing all of our, uh, you know, Christmas preparations and uh, travel and visiting plans and all that good stuff. Uh, but the release date, Charles, of this episode, it's going live on January 2nd. So, you know, happy new decade to you as well, not just happy new year. Oh, sounds good. I can't believe how fast time's flying. This last decade went by pretty quick. As you as you reflect and look back, um, I mean, the twenty teens didn't last very long at all. So it was a, just a, a flip of the coin, and boom, it was over. It felt like. And and we've in the financial markets. Before we get into the main meat and potatoes of today, if you just look back in the the decade from a financial perspective, what a decade it's been. From the kind of the doldrums at the beginning of the decade to the the run up at the end of the decade that we've had, we've kind of seen it all in the last ten years from a financial perspective, haven't we? Absolutely. I mean, it's been almost uh, eleven years or eleven years in counting since the last bear market. So, uh, a bear market is defined as a twenty percent or greater decrease in uh, the value of your stock holdings. And uh, you know, I'm I'm an optimist, so I'm hoping that 2020 and beyond is uh, still going to be. Uh, good years for investing, but hey, uh, what do they call it? Reversion to the mean, the ability to go up 20, 30% is directly related to the ability to go down 20, 30%. So uh, let's enjoy what we have while we have it, but let's uh, be cognizant of the fact that there's no free money out there. Perhaps we'll be able to call this the Roaring Twenties, just like we did a century ago. Hopefully the end of the decade, though, will be a little bit different than what happened at the end of the Roaring Twenties last time around. But uh, we will see what the new decade brings. Uh, If anybody's thinking about the market, thinking about finances, I'm sure at some point in time they have thought about, perhaps looked at, perhaps are even invested in mutual funds. And so we wanted to start off the new year with a good conversation about the ins and outs of mutual funds on today's podcast. For a long time, Charles, they've been a very popular way for people to invest. But the question is, is that landscape changing at all? And we'll explore that today. Just out of curiosity, what percentage of your clients owned mutual funds in one form or another when they first came to see you? I would say when people first came to see me back in the early to mid 90s, 100% of my clients own mutual funds, with no exception, pretty much everyone owned mutual funds. Uh, Now we're looking at, uh, what, 2019, 2020, uh, there's been uh, a wealth of new products out there, exchange-traded funds, individual stocks that they've always been around. You know, I still look at mutual funds with a positive point of view. Obviously, there's good and bad mutual funds, and, you know, maybe we'll discuss them a little bit more in detail, but uh, mutual funds are certainly part of our core investment strategy here at the CP Weldy Group. All right. So let's talk about some of the specifics about mutual funds. I think today will just be overall a very educational show. So we're going to get actually into the specifics of what mutual funds are all about. So let's talk about uh, one of the first elements that make up a mutual fund and understanding it. uh, Expense ratios. You hear this talked about sometimes when people are mentioning or analyzing mutual funds. What is that term and why is it important to understand? 
Well, an expense ratio basically is something that's shown in a prospectus, which lets the uh, investor know how much of their, I guess, annual return is going uh, to expenses, annual expenses. An expense ratio for a mutual fund, I mean, there's really three levels that I look at. Number one, if it was a half a point, half a 1% or less, I would consider that fairly cost efficient because uh, it's not a lot of money and uh, you know you get a lot for your dollar when you're in a mutual fund depending upon what type of mutual fund you're in. So I would just say the expense ratio, if it's a half a point or lower, uh, I think it's a pretty good value. If it's a half a point, which is a half a point I defined as a half of 1%, but not to exceed 1%, that's probably average. So the average mutual fund might cost you 0.75%, which means that if you got 6% on your investment and the cost was 0.75, you would end up with 5.25%. And then lastly, uh, if the expense ratio was 1% or greater, I would tend to think that that might be a little high in today's environment, but um, there are like some reasons why the expense ratio might be higher in certain mutual funds. For instance, uh, international funds and emerging market funds where the research and, and maybe accountability on the behalf of the money managers is a little higher, maybe that warrants a higher expense ratio. So just to summarize, expense ratios really are, hey, what does a company get for performing their service? And um, you know, the remaining uh, money is left over for the investor. All right, so that's expense ratios. Now I know another part of mutual fund terminology is this word loaded. And typically it'll be kind of modified like a front load, back load, or even a no load. So what does the element of loaded mean in a mutual fund? So loaded really means what are the commission costs up front, you know, or what are the commission charges over time? So back in, I think it was like the mid 70s, the first mutual fund was created by Massachusetts Financial Services, MFS. And, uh, you know, I'm going back to, you know, quite a few years, but back in those days, they had A shares, B shares, C shares. And just to define what they are, an A share was a front loaded fund where you might give me 10 grand, but let's just say the commission was 4%. Well, 4% of 10 grand, you know, uh, would be paid to the, I guess, the uh, investment rep and the balance would go into the fund. And basically you would start at a disadvantage because, 100% of your money was not working with a A-share fund. So uh, A-shares, hey, we're going to take our commission up front. Then there was B-shares. And B-shares were kind of popular. If you own the, the um, investment for seven years plus, the expenses would kind of go down in the eighth year, but you would be charged a surcharge in years one through seven. And in a way, it made it easier for the investor to accept the commissions because they didn't see the whole thing going out up front. But over a period of like six, seven years, you know, the returns of that investment were lower than an A share because you had that annual charge. Uh, they called it a 12B1 fee. And then I guess C shares, C shares, uh, they charge a level fee every year that you own the fund. And generally speaking, that would be around 1%. So today, what they have, Walter, is what they call no load funds, where you don't pay a load. But generally speaking, if you're with an advisor, you'll pay he or she an annual fee uh, somewhere around 1%, depending upon the agreement. So in a nutshell, the A, B, and C shares pretty much aren't utilized today as they were in the past. They're really replaced, uh, you know, by no load funds. And then uh, if someone has an advisor, he or she will pay that advisor a certain amount depending upon their agreement. 
Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. And I know that, the, you know, for somebody who's just being introduced to this topic, it can be a lot to keep up with. So just understand that expense ratios and loaded mutual funds, whether it be no load, back load, front load, those different types of things, they, they all have uh, importance behind them. And so the idea is before you get into one of these products, you want to know exactly how that works, what it's getting you uh, into. Uh, it, it's just good to get that background information. So if you don't know, do get the help and get the guidance on kind of breaking down individual products and, of course, how they fit into your overall plan. Uh, Charles, another good question I think we should bring up if we're talking about mutual funds is to bring in the tax conversation as well. Now, I know that you started your career career as a CPA before becoming a financial planner and, and starting to put together holistic plans for folks and you specialize in creating tax efficient retirement plans. So I know this is right up your alley. What are some of the tax issues that mutual funds can create? Yeah. Okay. So Walter, like when I look at mutual funds, I got to know whether they're in a qualified account or a non-qualified account. Now, let me just let you know what that distinction is. In a qualified account, it's basically an IRA account and, um, really the money's gonna come out as ordinary income, there's no capital gain. So I'm more concerned about mutual fund investing outside of retirement accounts because tax situations are more you know, prevalent outside of IRE. So let me give you an example. I have somebody that has $100,000 to invest in the month of October and uh, I like mutual funds, so I'm gonna put them in a mutual fund. But I have to be cognizant of the fact that, hey, wait a minute, I'm gonna put this client's money in a mutual fund near the end of the year. They haven't been in it all year and whatever capital gains or or dividends or monies that that mutual fund may have earned during the course of the year are most likely going to be um, paid out or at least uh, reported out by the end of the year. So I have to really be cognizant of the fact that, hey, the mutual funds that we pick for our clients outside the retirement accounts have to be tax efficient, which means that their turnover ratios have to be small. And what I mean by that is, if you look at a prospectus, it will tell you the expense ratio of a mutual fund, but it also will tell you what the turnover percentages are. And I have a rule of thumb that basically says, hey, if the turnover of a mutual fund is greater than say, 30%, 33%, then there's probably a lot of tax inefficiency in that account because they're buying and selling one third of their portfolio or more during the course of the year. So to make a long story short, taxes are very important when it comes to investing in mutual funds outside of a retirement account because regardless of whether you cash in your account or you just wait till the end of the year for the reporting of the performance of that account, you're more than likely going to report interest, dividends, and capital gains on your calendar year tax return. Also, you know, maybe a disadvantage too of being in a mutual fund, regardless of whether it's in a retirement account or not, is, um, you know, when it's executed. So if I meet with a client at 12 o'clock noon, we decide that we're going to liquidate some of their holdings in a mutual fund. I call up the custodian and we do the trade at say 12, 15, 12, 30. We're not going to know till four o'clock in the afternoon what that mutual fund sold at mm. because mutual funds by and large, they don't close until, you know, the markets close at four o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the afternoon. So I would say that someone who's very, uh, you know, uh, into trading, which we aren't here at the CP Weldy Group, but people that like to trade uh, and they're, you know, worried about, hey, the market is going down. I want to like uh, cash in. If they had a mutual fund, they're going to have to wait till four o'clock in the afternoon to see what price 
that mutual fund was sold at. But if they had another, um, you know, asset such as another investment asset, such as a stock or an exchange traded fund, they would know if they place that trade at 12 15 at 12 16 they would know what they got for the sale of that security so that's another kind of difference between you know a mutual fund and, and other securities is by and large uh we have to wait till you know late in the afternoon to uh, see what our price is if we sell a security and conversely if we buy a security too we're not going to know till the end of the you know close of the day what we pay for that security so again some people think that that's a big deal but our philosophy as investment advisors is hey we don't do a lot of trading it's really not a big deal to us so to speak all right. So last question for you. Should mutual funds be eliminated from the, you know, investing lexicon? I mean, how often, if at all, in today's day and age, are you incorporating mutual funds into your clients' portfolios? You mentioned kind of a 100% of the people when you first started out that came in to meet with you had them in their portfolio. What about now if you're the one designing it? Yeah. So I would still say that uh, I'm an advocate of mutual funds. I mean, we, we deal with... Um, in a company called Dimensional Fund Advisors, which really is an institutional mutual fund company. And their expense ratios are 25 basis points or lower. So they're very inexpensive. Their turnover costs are below 10%. So it's really a good opportunity to create a core portfolio for most of our clients. And with that, they get professional money management, they get diversification, they have the opportunity for liquidity if need be. And there are certain styles. I mean, if I have somebody that's um, a moderate investor, I could put them in a moderate portfolio. If someone's uh, more oriented towards growth, uh, we could put them in a growth portfolio. If someone's very conservative, we can lean towards a conservative portfolio. So we use mutual funds in our practice as the core holding for our client's investment portfolio. Uh, then what we may do is we may add some other investments such as uh, I'm not a big bond person. So instead of having bond mutual funds, we might uh, delve into uh, fixed index annuities, which pretty much uh, there's been papers written by the American College substantiating the fact that, you know, these could be a better alternative than just being in a plain vanilla bond fund. You know, so again, uh, I like mutual funds. I, I might have a bias in that regard, but I like diversification. I like to concentrate on the plan and fund the plan with the investments. We're not one here at the CP Wealthy Group to pick individual stocks, although I know that's another investment philosophy that some people might adhere to. I just think at the end of the day, you know, having a good, you know, mutual fund company that has low expense ratios, low turnover cost, uh, a great investment philosophy, and then building some uh, additional, you know, um, investments around that core mutual fund portfolio uh, gives people a, high, a higher probability of perhaps uh, realizing their goals. So uh, again, I like mutual funds. Uh, I don't like all the mutual funds out there, but this one particular company, Dimensional Fund Advisors, very exclusive mutual fund company that most people have never heard of. Uh, I like their philosophy. I like their expense ratios and their turnover percentages. Well, if you need any assistance when it comes to putting together your financial plan or your retirement plan and you want to learn some more about the ins and outs of mutual funds, how they fit into an overall portfolio and plan, 
be a great idea to reach out to Charles Weldy if you have any questions at all. 610-388-7705 is the number to call. That's 610-388-7705. You can find Charles online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. He's the founder of CP Weldy Group, of course, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chadsford, PA, on Route 52. Get in touch again at cpweldygroup.com, and we'll put links to the website and also the phone number in the description of today's show. So wherever you're listening to the program, you should be able to easily find that information. Well, Charles, thanks for getting us off to a great start here in 2020. Looking forward to a new year of podcasts with you, and uh, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Walter. Same to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Take care. Thanks, Charles. Uh, for Charles Weldy, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.